Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Glad Tidings Church. You know, some of you may be wondering what just happened. Can I tell you what just happened? The first time I heard that song in the series that we are discussing, that we have been talking about for several weeks, near and far, conversations with Jesus. I really thought about that song and I say, you know what? That's a song Jesus would not only listen to, that's a song that he would probably sing. All my friends are heathens. All my friends are sinners. You know, I wish that I could say that at this point. Thank you very much, Gina. But I can't because I have a lot of friends that are here. How many of you know that God has called us to love the sinner just like Jesus did? You know, the song says we don't deal with outsiders very well. We say newcomers have a certain smell. We got trust issues, not to mention they can smell our intentions. I want to pose to you this question. How are you dealing with outsiders? With those in your life that do not speak, think, or talk like you. and act like you. Because Jesus, before he present truth and righteousness, he first present love, mercy, and compassion to those that were outside. Amen. All right, so today we are continuing our sermon series, Near and Far, Conversations with Jesus. And uh, we're basically going to be talking again about a story where Jesus was talking to, to individuals near and far. If you'll please go with me to Luke chapter 7, we're going to pick up this story, verse 36. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. I hear pages turning. That tells me that those individuals do not have a smart device with them. So we're just waiting. (laughs) That was mostly the younger people laughing. But anyway, if you're there. Let's go. Luke chapter 7, beginning on verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then... She kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to tell you. Go ahead, teacher, said Simon. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. 
Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one whom the canc- who he canceled the largest debt. That's right, said Jesus. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust of my feet. But, but she washed, she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss. But from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head. But she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? Verse 50. And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Back in February the 12th, Pastor Walt preached a message called Familiar Jesus. And at the beginning of our series, he said this. He said that in this series, Near and Far, we are going to discover how many who thought they were near Jesus were actually farther than they thought. And how some that were far from Jesus, that thought they were far from Jesus, were actually closer than they thought they were. So today, we're picking up that same theme. And this message is called, You're Not As Near and You're Not As Far. You know, the first thing we hear here is about a man named Simon that invited Jesus to have dinner at his home. Now, he was a Pharisee, and I'm not going to assume that everybody here knows or understands what a Pharisee is. So just very quickly, I'm going to say that the Pharisees were a group, and a political and religious group of the time, of Jesus' time, and they, they were the ones that studied, studied the law and told people about the law. And what was the law? Well, what the do's and don'ts. They were also very focused, not only in the written law, the Torah, the five first books that you guys have in your Bible, but also in the traditions of the elders. These were the bunch of guys that would say, you do that, you don't do that. You do this, you don't do this. And Jesus called them hypocrites. And many times Jesus was speaking to them in that way because they will put burdens on the people that they themselves could not carry and laws and things that they were not keeping. So that's where we find, that's who who Simon was. So Simon invited Jesus and Jesus accepted, accepted his invitation, which is great because Jesus was not only friend of sinners, he was friends of all, even those in the higher in the higher levels of, of society. Because Simon is believed to be very well off. He had money. In order to be able to pull this off, he had to have a very large home. He had to have the resources and the money to pull it off. So this was not just some dude that's broke in a, in a studio apartment down in the ghetto. You don't have a studio apartment in the ghetto. Just in case you didn't know. They're called projects. And it's not the ones that you do around your house. Anyway, that's not even on my notes. Sorry. Eh, somebody needed to hear that. This is interesting because Simon was very curious about Jesus. He was curious about Jesus. 
And, and, and this is what he said. He wanted to know who is this Jesus? Is he a teacher? Is he more than a teacher? Check it out. Verse 39, it says, when, when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, what was going on with that woman there, he said to himself, if this, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman it is that is touching him. She's a sinner. So he was thinking, if he, this man was a prophet, he would know better. This was a big question for Simon. Is this man a prophet? Is this man a prophet? He was thinking to himself. He thought to himself. What are you thinking to yourself about Jesus? What are you saying about Jesus? Who do you say that he is in your life? Let me tell you, you may be here this morning and you may be curious about Jesus. You may not even believe that he is who he says he is and who we say he is. And that's okay. You may not be a believer. You may just be curious. Well, thank you for coming this morning. Because that's exactly where Simon was. Simon was like, who is this Jesus? What I love about this interaction here, this conversation, is that Jesus says in verse 40, Jesus answered his thoughts. (laughs) I don't know about you, but that's a scary thought to me. Maybe not for you, but for me, that Jesus will answer my thoughts. It's very humbling. But Jesus did not answer Simon's thoughts the way perhaps that Simon thought Jesus was going to answer his thoughts. Because his thought was, if this man were truly a prophet, Jesus moved from there to tell him a story about two individuals. One who was loaned 500 pieces of silver, the other one 50. Jesus did not ask, answer the question, are you a prophet? See, sometimes we invite Jesus into our home, so to speak. Sometimes we invite Jesus in because we want Jesus to prove to us if he is who they say he is. That's right. Jesus, are you a healer? Jesus, are you a savior? You may be here this morning and you have a certain label that you put on Jesus. I know I have. But guess what? Jesus cannot be contained by a label. The Bible says he is the great I am. He is the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega, everything in between. He's the I am that I am, meaning I am what I need to be. You can't limit Jesus to your label. And this was exactly what Jesus was doing here. Jesus bring the attention from if this man were a prophet to how you have treated me and how this woman has treated me as I enter your home. It is very important. Jesus talked about how neither one of the men, neither one of the individuals could pay, repay this debt. So it was forgiven to them. They were both forgiven. Who loved more? He answered the question. He asked the question to Simon. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? That's a very important question. Do you know that the Bible says that if you break one of the one of the commandments, you've broken all the law. So it really doesn't matter how much you have been forgiven because one sin separates you from God, regardless if it's one or a thousand. 
So Jesus was bringing the attention to the amount of sin. Why? Because Simon thought he was so righteous. Simon thought he had it all together. And this woman was a sinner. And Jesus was bringing the attention to that and say, she is loving on me because of the many things that you think she has. Let's talk about this woman for just a moment. Here's Jesus attending this, this dinner. And we find this woman who has come to this dinner. A sinful woman. A sinful woman. Everybody knew she was sinful. And some people believe that maybe she might have been a prostitute. I don't know. It doesn't say on the text. So I'm not assuming that. But what I know was that she was a very public sinner. Sort of like me. There are a couple of you that knew me before I gave my life to the Lord. So I would have been labeled exactly like this. That's a sinful dude. He's a heathen. Exactly. So she was a very public sinner. And she shows up in this house and she was not invited. You may think, well, that's rude. Well, it was kind of the custom of the time. It was what they did. Like if you show up at my house and you're not invited and you show up, doom, doom, hey, I'm here. I look and say, oh, get out of here. Go home. I said, but I attend glad tidings, so I didn't invite you. In that time, it was not so. It was not so. People will gather, so they have these big dinners where important people will come to, like a rabbi or, or a figure like that, or a prophet, whatever it was, get in there, and then people will go, and they will not sit at the table. They were not invited, but they will be on the outskirts of the table. They were sitting around just listening to trying to hear what was being said. At that dinner, any wisdom that will come from that table and any wisdom they could glean. So that's the that's the the scene that we have here. Check this out. So in verse 37, it says a certain woman, a moral woman from that city heard he was eating there, heard he was eating there. Does that sound familiar to you guys at all? It should. Last week, Pastor Walt, he spoke on the woman with the issue of blood out of Mark chapter five. And this is what it says in, in Mark 5, 27. It says that she had heard about Jesus, talking about the woman of the issue of blood. And now we see this woman, the sinful woman at this dinner. It says that she, uh, that she heard he was eating there. So she was hearing. I think it's no coincidence that God is bringing us exactly back to Romans 10, 17. That faith comes by what? And hearing by the word of who? This is very important, guys. God said it last week. He's bringing it up back again. Because there's a correlation in faith in what you're hearing. Because when you hear things, when you take things in and you ponder them in your heart, that's the way you act. That's the way you act. Have you ever met young people, little kids? I know I have. Their, their mama might say, you're just like your daddy. You're good for nothing. What do they grow up to be? Exactly that. Exactly what has been spoken over them. Very, very important. So we had the woman with the issue of blood last week. Now we have the sinful woman that appears at this dinner. And there's a lot of similarities between the two. Number one, they were both what? Wow, you guys are brilliant. They were women. There were women. They were also broken. They were also 
ostracized and marginalized. Nobody wanted to do anything, nothing to do with them. That's who they were. They were also desperate. They were at the end of the road. You know what? They also heard something. They heard Jesus was going to be there. You know what else? They also did something. They were not going to let anything stop them. And they also touched him. The woman with the issue of blood touched the, the hem of Jesus' garment. And this sinful woman was touching his feet. He's kissing his feet. Let's look at what she did just for a moment. Verse 38 says, Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell to his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting them, putting perfume on them. This woman's tears. Her tears. Are so, they're so significant. See, in that culture... Hospitality was very, very important. You know, sometimes we don't even say hello to people when they come to our house. But in that culture, it was different. See, when people come and visited somebody, if you invited somebody there, they usually had a basin of water where for people to wash their feet, clean their feet off the dust and the, the dirt from their feet. Why? Because they didn't have nice paved roads like we have. You know, they didn't have shoes that would cover the whole foot and sock and everything else. So all the dust from the road and you have horses and animals going through there. So it's a whole bunch of stuff on the floor. We we're talking about this message this week. And Pastor Drew, our junior high pastor, told me, yeah, there was a whole bunch of like uh, poop on the ground. You know, that would got on Jesus' feet. And last service, I say crap. So I said, no, I'm not going to say crap in the next service. I'm going to say poop. Oh, <laughs> I guess I just did. Um, anyway, stay with me. I'm just trying to have you picture Jesus' feet when he entered this dinner. And she is weeping and weeping and weeping. All her tears just falling on Jesus' feet as he's reclining there with his feet back. She's behind him. Why was this woman crying in such a way? Why was she weeping in such a way? Can I share a personal story with you guys? Well, I'll see you after service because you're the only one that wants to know. <laughs> well, this woman was weeping. And when I read this story, it took me back of a time when I was weeping. And I really understand why this woman was weeping. See, when I gave my life to Jesus, we left Omaha and we went to, to L.A. There was a conference going on there. And I was at that place. I'm thinking, hey, I'm just going to go there, have some fun in L.A. And my parents uh, and every my family's paying for hotels. And I'm going to just bum a ride with them and get there and then party, right? But I end up at this conference. And the speaker's talking. And then the worship team comes up. And I start crying. I start weeping. I mean, bad. I had no idea what was going on. And nobody was praying for me. I just knew in that moment, I have come into, into an encounter, as Pastor talked about, our service is not just so we could, oh, have a good little feeling inside of us. 
It's so we encounter Jesus. And that's what happened with me. See, when I got into that place, just as this woman did, I got into a place that I realized, man, I am so filthy. I am so dirty. I'm, I'm not even worthy to be here. I, I feel so uncomfortable. And I came in, in, in contact. And I came to the realization that I am a sinner. And this is a holy God. I am small. He is big. I am unworthy. He is worthy. And I started weeping in the same way that I'm reading how this woman was weeping. I cannot stop. I cannot stop. I mean, and some of you understand this. This was completely countercultural to me. This is not how dudes act. I'm serious. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> no, that's not. From the time I was a little guy, as I was talking about what you hear, man, don't cry. Man, don't cry. You're not supposed to cry. Don't let them see you sweat. So much so that when I was small, my dad you know, I, I came home crying because this kid, we had a fight and he punched me and I'm crying. He said, oh, really? Come here. You crying? Let's go. He said, which, which kid? He, I said, that one right there, daddy. I'm thinking he's going to take care of business. He said, go be him. And if, if you don't, then I'm going to beat you. <laughs> True story. And I said, and if you come back crying, I'm going to beat you even if you beat him. So I said, whoa. So what happened to me crying unexplainable it was the work of the holy spirit it's the word of god the holy spirit has been come to the world to convict the world of sin and of righteousness says the word and this woman was gripped those tears were godly sorrow she was just not sorry for what she had been doing it was godly sorrow her tears were so significant they were so significant she used the symbol of her suffering to minister to the Savior. Her suffering, her tears, she used them to clean Jesus' feet to make sure that they were wet. Are we doing the same thing? Are we using the symbol of our suffering to minister unto Jesus? Let me tell you, breakthrough happens. Let me tell you, you get God's attention right away. Man, I'm having a bad day, but glory be to God. Man, I can stand my spouse, but I tell you what, Lord, thank you. <laughs> because I'm not alone. My kids are driving me crazy. They're spoiled. But man, I am so blessed. Because the Bible says the kids, children, are a blessing from God. No matter where you find yourself, use that suffering to minister unto the Lord. Amen. All right. This is very interesting because um, Jesus, I'm reminded of John chapter 13, verse 4, when Jesus comes in and he starts washing the disciples' feet. You guys remember that story? Before he died? So Jesus takes the position of a servant being king. This woman comes in the same way. She's taking a position of a servant and serving Jesus doing something that needed to be done. And today, you guys will have the same opportunity. We'll have an opportunity to take the position of a servant as we walk out of here after altar time and go out there to rooms 201, 202, and 203 to Team Link. And then serve. Because as Pastor said, it is not 
it's not only great to be sons and daughters of God, it's also great to serve the king. Amen. I want to talk to you guys about also about her hair. She used her hair to clean Jesus' feet. In that culture, and it's somewhat the same with ours, a hair for a woman was a symbol of beauty. It was symbolic of her beauty, who she was, her identity. So much so that they kept a cover. They kept a cover. Only the husband got to be able to touch the woman's hair and to be able to see her beautiful long hair. And here she is using the symbol of her beauty uncovered and she's getting it all messed up. Some of you understand what I'm talking about. When you come to a service and God just messes you up and you don't care if your mascara is running. You don't care if everybody sees you over here looking crazy. You don't care if people see you jumping around. Why? Because you came to do something. You came to do something. You, just don't, you didn't just come here to hear somebody speak and make you feel good. It's like, I got to get to him. I got to get to his feet. And I don't care who's talking about it. See, because her uncovering her hair was shameful in that culture. They're going to be talking about her. Even like they were already talking about her. Now she's putting more woods to the fire. But she didn't care. She had to minister. She had to serve him. She had to honor him. The next thing in verse 38 that the Bible tells us is that she kept kissing Jesus' feet. She kept kissing Jesus' feet. Would it be weird at all if like I, I come down here and I talk to Pastor Walt and um, I ask him to take off his shoes right now and start kissing his feet. Hey, hey, now. I said, is that weird? I was hoping for everybody to say yes. Yes, it's very weird. Thank you. Don't freak me out here because I'm not doing it. It is weird for us. But see. She knew that she needed to do this. Check this out. Verse 45 says, from the time I first came in, Jesus said, she has not stopped kissing my feet. From the time I first came in, meaning that when he showed up, she was there. Meaning that she was anticipating something is going to happen. I got to kiss this man's feet. She was filled with desperation. See, some of you understand what I'm talking about. When you get to the end and there's nothing else to do. Man, you really don't know. How much Jesus means to you until Jesus is all you have. See, for us, it may be super weird. But in that culture, not weird at all. See, Jews, Greeks, and Romans, that was they're used to this. Because the kissing of the feet was a sign of, of um, affection, a sign of uh, reverence. 
right? But not only that, but also it was practiced by supplicants, people that were making supplication, people that were making a big ask. They used to do this. Kiss the feet. If you were coming to a king, you would kiss his feet because you had a big ask. You're going to ask him something big. So Jesus understood this. Get this. Get what happens in verse 47. Jesus says, I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. She has not asked Jesus for forgiveness. That's why I love this story. When I got saved, I didn't ask Jesus to forgive me. I was just weeping. I told him, change me. Boom. That's why I don't question what people tell me that they got, they, they got saved when they were drinking a, a, a bottle of absolute vodka. I don't know what God will do. I was drinking a 40 and Jesus showed up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. See, Jesus knew what she was doing. He knew what was in her heart. And let me tell you something. Get this. He knew it then and he knows it now. He knew it then and he knows it now. He knows exactly what burden you carry. He knows exactly the supplication that you're making right now. Listen to me. Do not live, leave without kissing his feet today. Another thing that kissing of the feet was considered to be, uh, was considered to be a sign of surrender. A sign of obedience. Back in those days when a people group was conquered by another nation, they would kiss the feet of those in authority as a sign of surrender, as a sign of obedience. I, I'm with you. I will do whatever you ask me to do. So what was she saying here? By kissing the feet of Jesus, she's saying, I honor you. I honor you. I have a big ass, but I will do whatever you ask me to do because I love you. Oh, guys. What a beautiful what a beautiful thing. Then she went to anoint his feet. This is powerful. This is powerful. See, back in those times, it was, it was common for people to use anointing oil, uh, olive oil, to anoint the heads of those that were guests in a way of, of uh, showing them courtesy and also hospitality. And they used to mix it with very expensive ex spices, you know, because they didn't have like, like a, a department store where you just go and you get this fragrance, right? It was costly to do that. But it was also a common practice to anoint a king with such a fragrance, with such an oil, to anoint a king, to anoint a high priest when he was going to take office. You know, just like the woman with the issue of blood last week, that pastor was letting us know that she went and touched the hem of Jesus' garment because she knew that there was healing in his wings. Why was she declaring? That he was Messiah. That he was the king of the Jews that was to come. You know what was happening here? She was recognizing, you are my king. I'm anointing you because you are not only a prophet like, like Simon thinks. You are not only a teacher like he has said. You are the king. You are my savior. You are the redeemer. You are the high priest. You go before me into the presence of God. And I am righteous because of you. You understand what I'm saying? That was not just something that she just 
huh, I'm going to do this. It cost her something. This was a costly perfume. Jesus said it here. He says, a rare perfume. It cost her something. What is it costing you? What is it costing you? See, you have no idea how much she was forgiven. Why do I get weird up here? Because you have no idea how much I've been forgiven. He who has been forgiven much loves much. That's why there's nothing that no one can say to me about who Jesus is and is not that will move me away from his feet. Nothing. Why? Because I know where I was. And I know where I am. Last week, Pastor talked about the woman with the issue of blood again. And he said in verse 34 of Mark chapter 5, it says that Jesus told the woman, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Here Jesus says in verse 50, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Faith. Faith. We talked about Romans chapter 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing. Let faith arise within you today. Faith. Your faith has healed you. Your faith has saved you. Why? Hebrews eleven six is very plain. Very plain. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And all that come to Him must first know and believe who He is. And that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. That's what the Bible says about faith. You must believe who He is. And trust that He is a rewarder. This woman got her reward. The woman with the issue of blood got her reward exactly what she was coming for. Because she had been hearing about Jesus. She pondered that on her heart. And then she took action. See, a lot of times we hear it. we like, oh, that feels good. And they would do nothing. Can I ask you to please stand? If you're able to. And if you're not, I pray that I pray that Jesus would touch your body and restore you and heal you. Let faith arise. Let faith arise in this place. As we bring it to a close, I want you to close your eyes for a moment. Close your eyes for a moment. Don't worry about who's to your left, to your right, behind you or in front of you, you and Jesus. Imagine that you are at that dinner. You have come. Who are you? Are you Simon the Pharisee? Or are you the sinful woman? See, as I was preparing for this message, 
I started to realize that I was so much like Simon. So much like Simon. Judging those that are not like me. Putting labels on Jesus and expecting Jesus to fit into the box or the label that I have prepared for him. I have invited Jesus to the table, but then forgot to weep over his feet, to dry his feet and to anoint him with oil, to kiss him. So today what I want to do is I want to be like the sinful woman, not forgetting where I've come from, not forgetting who he is and that he is greater, so much greater than who I think he is. Perhaps you are the sinful woman today. Perhaps you have come to this place and you're saying, man, I have nothing to offer. All I have is just a bunch of sin. I got good news for you. That is a prerequisite. That is the one thing that is required of you today. To come and bring your sin. In order to sit at the table, you have to bring your sin. You may say, hey, I have nothing to offer him. Yes, you do. Your tears. Your tears is what she brought. You could bring the exact same thing. So today, I'm going to ask that you come to these altars, that you come to the feet of Jesus as a sign of surrender, as a sign of ministering to him, as a sign of honoring him, as a sign that you trust, that you have faith, and that you believe in who he says he is. I'm going to pray, and as I pray, you can start making your way to sit at his feet together father i thank you for your word oh god i thank you that your word is sharper than any double-edged sword father i thank you that you have touched the hearts of your people i thank you oh god that you have challenged the mind of your people oh god i thank you that your spirit is in this place and i declare that no one will live the same will live this place the same i declare oh god that we will not only hear your word oh god but we will act upon it oh god I pray, Father, for every person under the sound of my voice, oh God. Those that feel that they're so close to Jesus, they can touch them. I pray, oh God, that this message will challenge them to draw even nearer, to do things that they have never done before for your sake, oh God. I pray, oh God, for those that feel that they're so far. They're so far. Father, I pray that you will draw them in with your love and compassion. May you shower blessing upon them. Jesus' name.